This Brian Nardo hire as a co-defensive coordinator gets better every day. And we're not done on the recruiting trail. Matter of fact, we just got one. It's a massive, massive gem. And we'll see why. You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You can find me on Twitter at Aldeo State. We are available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. So the more we dive in to this hire, the more, the more we're going to like it, right? But before we hit that, I do want to make sure that we touch base on what we've been doing recently, right? Because I think all of the news about Oklahoma State has kind of been shoved in the corner of this new defense coordinator. And you are seeing a lot of punditry and analysts and things of that nature talk about the hire. Um, I think we're going to go pretty in-depth with it. So obviously make sure you stay for that. But we've been hitting some home runs. In the recruiting trail, most recently, uh, we we picked off we picked off somebody who's going to be, I think, I don't know, very crucial to the future of what we're doing in the running back position, and that is Ceci Valahi out of Utah, Salt Lake City, to be exact. And there is some familiarity here. Thankfully, uh, there's a connection. Valahi also played for the same high school coach as our former standout, Jalen Warren, and current Pittsburgh Steeler. And realistically speaking, if you look at the film, there's a lot of similarities. At 5'11", 195 pounds, again, the bowling ball type of of frame that you saw from a Jalen Warren, it exists here as well. And this last season, he posted, what, 1,072 yards as a senior. He had over 30 catches for almost 300 yards, five, six, seven touchdowns. And like, uh, you know, as an outside receiver, even 20, 30 receptions for, for five, 600 yards. He's an extremely versatile athlete, right? And then defensively, he had uh, 48 tackles, right? He had a sack, a couple sacks, pass deflections, fumble recovery, forced fumble, interception. He can literally do it all. Now, he ultimately chose Oklahoma State University over BYU and Nevada, but uh, it's it's been floating out there that Texas A&M and USC both made very, very heavy pushes to get him. So, you know, it hasn't necessarily been brought up a lot because I, like many others, assume that as soon as Texas A&M and USC got involved, then that's probably, you know, one of the routes he was going to go because we're pretty loaded right now running back. So do yourself a favor. Go watch some of the film. Uh, It's fun. His pad level, his pad level is very good. Uh, His east to west capability is very simplistic. He puts his foot in the ground, finds a hole, finds a seam, and goes, which is what we missed last year with Dominic Richardson. Dominic Richardson's a good running back. His only issue is he couldn't see, you know, the green, right? He couldn't find the green patches of grass that that you call open field to get to. Although it is high school, this kid embodies that. And then again, 
he plays a little bit of tight end, a little bit of fullback, a little bit of running back, a little bit of uh, outside receiver, slot receiver, whatever is asked of him, he, he legitimately goes out and does it. Uh, and then from a receiving perspective, he ended his career with over 80 receptions and uh, 1,588 yards, so just shy of 1,600 yards, 19 touchdowns. And then again, he ran the ball for almost 1,100 yards and, and, and 14 tutties on the ground. Now we have 20 commits for this class, and this is the class that everybody was very, very concerned about. Now, we do know that we filled a lot of holes in the transfer side of things. One of those being Elijah Collins, the, the running back transfer from Michigan State. You've got Ollie Gordon that everybody knows is, is, is a dude. You've got DeAndre Jackson that runs like a man possessed. you got Jaden Nixon that, that can be kind of that, that lightning package. And now you have Elijah Collins coming in from Michigan State who a couple a couple of few years ago at Michigan State was the dude, you know, and he was the one that was actually, guys, he was going to be ahead of Kenneth Walker. But injuries and things of that nature kind of derailed him. So we have a lot of running backs that, that have the capability to be productive immediately. And then again, this guy kind of slid under the radar because he does a little bit of everything. Again, safety, linebacker, defensive end, fullback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. It didn't matter. He was the do-it-all guy, which I think statistically kind of got him bogged down. But as they say, film don't lie. So do yourself a favor. Have some fun with that. But, yeah, we know that losing somebody like Stephon Johnson or Bryson Green or even to some degree Braylon Presley, it hurts. But getting Arlen Bruce coming in from Iowa – that is a big hit. Getting Elijah Collins in from Michigan State, Dijon Stribling from Washington State, Leon Johnson the third from George Fox. Even though it's a smaller university uh, up in Oregon, Leon Johnson third has the thing you can't teach, which is size. Got another tight end, Josiah Johnson. Uh, Ian Indenfield is going to be somebody that I think could potentially uh, rotate in. You got Dalton Cooper going coming in an offensive tackle. Noah McKinney uh, coming in from ULV, who you know is going to be able to chip in right away. So this is a, a massive, massive get in my in my personal opinion. And it says something about the guy because we are loaded right now at running back. Now, obviously, production will have to dictate how loaded we are, but it appears as though that's a position we're fine at, right? Give this dude some body by glass. And this is exactly what Jalen Warren talked about when he came to Oklahoma State, right? Put on a little bit more muscle, not, not a lot but then he was able to improve his speed. That's what always held him back at Utah State. And this is coming from his mouth, was that he never had that breakaway elite speed. Well, after spending one offseason with Rob Glass, he got that. And it transitioned, transitioned sorry, words are hard, it transitioned to the field for O-State, and now it's transitioned into the NFL. Speaking of transitions, guys, make sure that if you're in a hiring process, you got to use LinkedIn. LinkedIn Job Solutions is your number one source to get the best hired, the most qualified candidates for your job. There's just, there's a lot about this one I like. And then, you know, so Jalen Pope, Jalen Pope is a 5'11", 180-pound wide receiver out of Alito, Texas. He's a three-star, 85 composite score on 247, and he chose us ultimately over uh, Air Force. That appears as though that's where he was going. Now, when you look at the film on him, the, the, I think the biggest thing that, that jumps off to me as far as what he'll need to work on, his route running, all right, he, his cutting, uh, his ability to get up on the defensive back's heels or make the linebackers or safeties commit, it's, it's just – Clearly something he hasn't had to pay a lot of attention to. Now, you can get a little sloppy if you're trying to settle underneath in a zone. 
uh, defense, but I think that's something that he'll be able to work on, right? And his hands are not something that needs a lot of work. He's got very soft hands. He knows how to get separation. He just doesn't use his route running capabilities uh, to, to do that. Right now, he's just relying on overall talent instead of the small, minute details. Guys, these are things that something like Stevon Johnson was very good at for being at a very young age. His advancement and the route running capabilities and the understanding of what I need to do to get the defensive back uh, to, to manipulate uh, the, what I need. So those are some things that I think Jalen Pope's going to have the ability to, to work on. Uh, so, again, this body by glass thing, just because we have one year of untimely injuries, that realistically speaking, you don't see all of those type of injuries all the time, right, especially at Oklahoma State. So it's just, it was an odd year, right? And I think it's definitely, definitely an outlier. So there you've got a couple guys coming again. Obviously, I think Ceci is a, is a massive steal. And I think that's evident by the fact that we know Texas A&M and USC went after him hard. Him being from Salt Lake City or Salt Lake, Utah, it does make life a little easier because, um, you know, that's where, around the same area where we got Mason Cobb from. So last time we got a player from Utah that was kind of undervalued until the very end. It worked out pretty well for us uh, for, for quite some time. But again, the connections here are going to be beneficial. The fact that he's going to have a lot of competition and he's going to have some time to get himself ready. Again, it's going to be nothing but beneficial. He's somebody that legitimately could be part of the future after Ollie Gordon. Who's going to be that guy after Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon and DeAndre Jackson and everybody are gone? This definitely, definitely fits the bill. So it'll be exciting to see how they develop. Now, let's shift a little bit. Uh, but but briefly, obviously, I do have to let everybody out there know that today FanDuel has stepped up big time for us and, and for you, basically, right? You're, you're, the, you're the biggest benefactor. This year, it's the only app you're going to need at any Super Bowl party because it's America's number one sports book. We are very excited about our new partner, right, in the sports betting world. For Locked On, because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel, if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. Download FanDuel right now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with the no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in, in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads and who will score the next touchdown. FanDuel Sports app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid for your winnings instantaneously. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOnCollege to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more fun with FanDuel, your official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So now let's kind of shift over to uh, – this this defense coordinator stuff, right? Because this is this is a conversation that's been happening, and uh, yeah, it's been covered. But I'm going to ask you to bear with me here because I think I think this is going to help. I've been seeing some some things about how <clears throat> you know this is a, a typical Oklahoma State type of hire because this is the type of hire Oklahoma State has to do. 
I disagree completely. I completely disagree. Guys, we have coaches, if you go look at the roster, that have been on staff, again, for three years, four years, eight years, 12 years, 14 years. We are not a stepping stone school anymore. For us to lose somebody, it takes an Ohio State type of job, right, with Ohio State type of money to poach our coaches. We're not that, we're not that place anymore. So this fear, I think it, it's, it's unnecessary. And it's not directed accurately. We are not a stepping stone. This was not a forced hire. To me, that's the, the, the my issue with this hire is kind of the perception, right? Because it does look like, oh, look at Oklahoma State again, trying to get cutesy tootsie with their hires and Mike Gundy going way out in the left field to find somebody that, that nobody thought of. You know, there, there is some of that. And that's the frustrating part. But then when you, you you dive in, because that's what you got to do, right? You got to dive in. Instead of just being negative all the time, we, we got to find ways to see if it makes sense, right? And as we'd already covered, you know, the other day, that one of the reasons it makes a lot of sense, because a lot of us thought that Joe Bob Clements was going to be the logical move, right? He was going to be the logical hire. But we have seen Joe Bob Clements call plays up in the, 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 the nosebleeds, right, up in the press box calling game and it didn't go well. So they had to make some adjustments at halftime. So Gundy does have that on his mind. Last time Joe Bob Clements went up and was calling plays and directing things. Just the communication side of things didn't go well. Maybe that was a preparation. Maybe it was just a little bit of confusion. Confusion. Maybe it's something that Joe Bob wasn't insanely comfortable with. So if we all know that that's the logical option and you've got Coach Hammersmith that's been here forever, Coach Duffy that's been here forever, Coach Richmond who's been here for a while now and is an alumnus, You've got all these guys that are very, very comfortable. And now you have somebody coming in who is just different. Guys, Brian Nardo uh, from St. John's Central High School in Bel Air, Ohio, he has a different mind. He has a different type of mind, and it's for football. The definition of football family comes to mind when you think of Brian Nardo, right? His dad coached the game. His oldest brother, Matthew Nardo, is the, the head coach at Bluffington University. Uh, and, and then, obviously, you, you got Brian making his move now after going from Ohio University to Emporia to Gannon, now to here. And then you got the younger brother, Luke, who's a graduate assistant at, at Ohio. And, and these are people that he can use on a daily basis for advice or, or whatever they need. And the, and the interesting thing about Mr. Brian Nardo is he knew he wanted to be a coach during high school, which is why immediately out of high school, he joined the Ohio staff um, as like a, a student coach, right? And then after the student coach, he got to be upgraded to a graduate assistant and then he got to move on. And he, he's just, he's somebody that helps us fill the, the problem area. Right. Again, he has a good football mind already. Like his, his brother told the story, you know, when they were young at the kitchen table, they're always talking about football 24 seven. And he could tell you more about the cover two in the third grade than he could about fractions or divisions. And this is realistic. So their conversations around the family table all the time were football 24 seven. So, you know, his knowledge is there. His ability to process is there because he got to learn under legendary coach Frank Solich. Frank Solich played football under Bob Devaney at Nebraska, right? And then he got to coach 
um, with Tom Osborne, and he was on the staff when they won three national titles, 11 conference titles, and then he, he got upgraded to the head coach. As a head coach in Nebraska, the dude went 58-19 and finished in the top 10 three daggone times. One Big 12 title, two-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, uh, Home Depot National Coach of the Year, Matt Coach of the Year, and he reached 58 wins in Nebraska faster than Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne, who are both two Hall of Famers. Basically, um, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent there, but Nebraska firing Tom Solich was or Frank Solich was the, the dumbest thing they've done in, in my lifetime in any type of football decision-making process, and they're still trying to recover from it. But he learned from this rare bird in Frank Solich, and he was already a, a rare bird as it was. His brother was already in the coaching game, so he was able to kind of pick his brain and grab knowledge from, from him on how to handle things you know, as a coach, how things are done in the locker room, what the conversations are like with the kids and the recruits and how recruiting, you know, fits into his, his brother's schemes. And then he got to sit in film rooms for hours and hours and he got to study linebackers, nickel and dime coverages. And he, he was tasked with, you know, finding different ways to be more creative with those uh, spe specific positions. He learned how to diagnose film at a young age. He studied film for a hobby. He talked football 24-7 as a hobby. Again, he's a rare dude. At an extremely young age, he had alumnus coming back to Ohio, coming back to Emporia just to catch up with him. So he's like the youngest coach on the staff at both places, but you've got alumnus that just graduated that are his age that are coming back to see him. Because he has that kind of effect on people or he had that kind of effect on them. And then you saw this, again, transition over to Emporia State. And what do we always talk about with Gundy that is the issue and even done to some degree? It's the ability to communicate, build relationships. These are the things that we know we struggle with. So this is a time you got to give kudos to Gundy. I don't think this is one of his random, I'm going to ha-ha show everybody, which he does do, right? You know about the hire of Mike Yershitz from Shippensburg State University. You know about the hire about from Sean Gleason from Princeton University. You know about some of these hires that are a little bit off the wall that Mike Gundy isn't that famous for. Now, if you're one of the people that's slightly concerned because we know that he has an issue dipping his toes in the offensive side of the ball when it comes to not play calling, but decision-making processes in the game. If you're a little bit concerned that, dang it, Gundy, we don't want you to dip your toes over the side of foot of the defensive side of the ball. Again, I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue because of how much consistency and continuity we already have on the staff. And we're bringing this guy in to help with that, Right help with the relationships, help with the communication, get more engaged. Again, be one of the top 35 coaches under the age of 35. It means something. And guys, you, you got to remember, um, in 2014, he was part of the coup that got our hybrid linebacker striker, Lindell Johnson, to leave Oklahoma State and go to Emporia State. And it's not like he was a, a bust, guys. Think back 2014, 2013, 2012 with me. Lindell Johnson had almost 100 tackles. He had 98 tackles at O-State. So not only did he play, but he was going to be a vital part of what we were doing moving forward But because he's 6'3", 220, right? That doesn't grow on trees either. But he decided to leave Oklahoma State University to go to Emporia State. And I always wonder why. This doesn't make any sense, dude. You could go anywhere you know, that's a little less and start immediately. Heck, you could probably go to 70% of D1 schools and start. So it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But now we know why. Brian Nardo was integral in building that relationship to get Lindell Johnson from Oklahoma State to Emporia State. Like, how did that happen? Well, now we know. 
And if you go back and you look at some of his old videos, um, you know, there's a, a video of him while he's coaching in Emporia State. And when Lindell Johnson got brought up, you literally saw his face light up like a Christmas tree because he knows that getting a 6'3", 220 safety from a big-time D1 and being productive in that, in that university to Emporia State, it's something you don't see every day. So we knew he had a lot to work with there. And, of course, you can find um, – Lyndall Johnson's uh, last season at Emporia highlights. It's impressive. He's blocking punts, blocking kicks, you know, getting sacks, getting interceptions, causing forced fumbles, stealing the ball in the middle of the air on, on option pitch plays. And Brian Nardo back then got to come to Stillwater and watch Lyndall Johnson play several, several, several times, specifically to see how we were using him in that Calvin Bundage style of role, in that striker, rover, um, hybrid uh, type of position. And so he got to see what we did, how we did it for that guy. And then he got to take that with him to Emporia State. So he has been. Um, enamored with the Oklahoma State side of things for quite some time now. This is not his first go-round. This is on a bucket list type of situation for him. And now it comes full circle. Like the, the full circle side of things to me makes this make sense. And it's a win-win, guys. Whether he's coming in to take over and he's this young and if he's this energetic and he can help bridge that gap of communication and relationship building and he's here for a long time, great. Or if he's simply here just to help to bridge the gap for Joe Bob Clements to step up and take that role, maybe he's here to teach Joe Bob a little bit more about the, the differences he's seen. Because, guys, even though he is coming in to, to implement this 3-3-5 because we are loaded for war at the safety position, it makes the most sense. And this is where he, he ties in. His ability to, again, build those relationships and adapt to what you have. That was one of the, the, the biggest things I found in researching him. He's coached for four three defenses, three four defenses, four two five defenses, right? He's even coached three three stacks if it's better for the roster that you have. And in all the research I've done on him, that was the thing that struck the chord the most to me. He has worked with multiple defenses because they want to mold to the talent they have around it. So no more square peg and a round hole. Emporia's success was all predicated upon trust, brotherhood, the family atmosphere. And his big thing is, and, and, and he says this, if the players don't believe it, if the players don't believe in what you're selling, that means you don't believe in what you're selling. And if you don't believe in what you're selling, you're not going to get maximum effect from the guys. It means nothing. They're going to be able to see right through it. If you say one thing and do another, if you talk out of both sides, the players see that. They feel that. Just like we've talked about before, players don't want to play for a coach that's just always coaching not to lose. They want to play for somebody who's out to win. They want to play for somebody who they know has their back. So again, we know how great Gundy can be. We know how great Dunn can be. And now we've got somebody coming in uh, that can help bridge the gap even more on the other side of the ball where we know that's where we're okay. That's where we're squared away. This is a win-win, whether it's a, a, a uptick for Joe Bob or he's the future, doesn't matter. As long as it's productive, we're going to be fine. And what I think makes this, you know, the, have the possibility of being productive is his ability to adapt willingness to bend around what you have already. You know, he just, he believes in the relationships. The, the family aspect is why he's here. The cowboy culture 
This is why he's here. The cowboy culture is a real thing. It's a phenomenal thing. Sometimes it just it uh, you know things need a little tweak. Sometimes things just need a minor adjustment. Not a big deal. It happens. It's just amazing to me that this guy has this type of mindset. Like I gotta get, I gotta give kudos to Gundy on this one. I really do. This is a very, very, very good hire. I have, I have no complaints. I do have to let everybody out there know it's exciting news. Not only do we have the new partner in FanDuel, but Locked On is also heading to the Senior Bowl. We're going to give you inside analysis from multiple hosts that covered NFL's next generation in college. We're going to find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing up on. All in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 9 p.m. Eastern. So as we kind of get prepared to close this thing on out here, I just wanted to, 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 to finish on why this is probably a really good move. He has a lot of connections. He currently talks to you know, both of his, all of his brothers and his dad, and he, he gets multiple sides of it, right? His older brother's a head coach now, so he's been through every single part of the process so he can help his brother Brian, you know, kind of navigate the waters of what he's going into now. And then he still has conversations with his younger brother, who's 11 years younger, who just got out of it, who's a grad assistant right now at Ohio, so he can talk to him about the ways to connect. Like, what is the younger recruit's mindset? What are they looking for? What do they appreciate? What do they like? What do they hate? What are they talking about? So he has an insight on both sides of the spectrum. You know, he'll tell you, he still talks to, you know, Coach Elk, uh, who's at Michigan State right now. When he needs help understanding different linebacker fits or different ways to use the defense, he uses connections like that. I mean, heck, he says his older brother is a diehard junkie, one of those guys who's in in film all day, every day, 24-7. But again, he's about building relationships. He's about family over everything. And family inside the locker room is obviously massively important to him. This is his objective. Right. And he he's already said, if you don't do it physically, then your dudes can't embrace it. He wants everybody to be a part of the process. He's even said in interviews, he, he, he thinks wives should come to practices. He wants people to go come together for dinner, for lunch, for just going out and doing stuff. He wants to be physically present. To, he says that's vital to him. He's young. He's obviously very bright. He has a good reputation. He's obsessed. He's hungry. He's a good dude. Good family man. The Cowboy culture is real. It just needs a little bit of a rebuild. We should not be rebuilding our team anymore. Oklahoma State has ascended high enough that it shouldn't be that. It should be a reload consistently. But if part of the reload is rebuilding the Cowboy culture, then clearly if that's what needs to happen, that's what we're going to do. And this actually could be a very good chess piece in doing that. Gundy and company invented the Cowboy culture. Gundy and company made it what it is. It just needs a tweak. And somebody like this uh, can inject that, that positivity, can be the shot in the arm that we need. He's not coming to reinvent the wheel everything. He knows he's coming to work with Joe Bob and Duffy and Hammersmith and Richmond. He knows that. And he has a, a, a new angle to add to it, a younger angle, a more present angle. 
I hate Gundy's master puppetry over the headset in the fourth quarter of the offensive play calls. So hopefully we don't see that filter over. But I don't think we will because he's already said he's going to have his hands inside the offense this year, which is great because we've said on this program, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, that Gundy either needs to be the CEO, right, which is actually be that guy and let everybody do their jobs, or he needs to just get his his his, his sleeves rolled up and his gloves on and back inside the offense so that way we at least know at the end of the year, okay, this wasn't Dunn's fault. Gundy was was heavily involved with the play calling, the, the game designing, and what we were going to do in practice. So Gundy's already said him and Dunn are going to be doing this thing together this year. So, I mean, we're getting what we asked for, right? We asked to either step away or get more involved. He's getting more involved, which is kind of cool because we do know his offenses used to be very creative and very inventive. I don't think this is a ha-ha surprise, gotcha, hire. It is, but it's not like it, it used to be. It's not like he's done on the offensive side of the ball, or at least I don't think. We just, we can't afford to go backwards. And we're seeing signs that some things are getting better. Is it enough? Publicly, no. Is it, is it, you know, is there more of a disconnect with the fan base? I guess you could probably say yes. But it'll be nice to, to be able to pinpoint. And for everybody who is kind of talking about how he, he's coached at such a, a small level, that could be a problem. Is he going to be able to transition to this level? Well, I think, I think so. Again, not only will he have all those coaches around him helping him, but he's been coaching for so long at small levels. It gives him a unique perception. It gives him a unique appreciation because he's had to learn how to do little things like stretch tuition or work out waivers or be the one to physically carry out all the trash cans and, and carry out all the cones and all the drills and get them all set up every single day. They don't have all the coaches to do all that stuff for them. They don't have all the staff to do a lot. So not only does he got to do film study, he's got to do the preparation, he's got to do practice stuff. He also has to be the equipment guy and a liaison. So he's even said he thinks that that's actually going to prepare him even more in the future because, you know, you have to do a lot more things at a small school. At big school, you have people to do that for you, which gives you time to focus on just the football, just the X's and O's, just the dudes, just the building relationships. Again, building relationships and communication are our issues. That's what we suck at. And we are now bringing somebody in that I think actually is designed to help that. Maybe Gundy did it by accident. I doubt it. We needed this. We needed this. And we don't lose anybody, nor do we lose anything. And I'm sure even when he was washing practice uh, eight years ago, nine years ago in Stillwater, you know that there had to be times that popped up like, man, I'm going to coach at this level on a field like this someday. And then again, we circle back around. And then he gets to look at the roster. You got Xavier Benson. You got, we know how good Nick Martin could be because we kept trying to thrust him in the, in the lineup. We know Donovan Stevens is somebody that they're pretty high on because, again, kept trying to thrust him in the lineup. We know Justin Wright's going to be able to come in and Dan Campbell style two people's kneecaps, kneecaps off. So we're, we're, we're solid there. Uh, Jeff Robertson was going to be a potential starter before his ACL injury, before the season. He's had more than a full year to recover. He's ready to rock and roll. And then, again, uh, you, we want to talk about size, right, because size comes in recruiting. Recruiting is, is what equals a lot of the talent you put on the field. 
you got this dude coming into Oklahoma State University. We know he was salivating when he got Lindell Johnson to come from Oklahoma State to Emporia. Imagine what he gets to look at now across the board, right? If you're going to run this 3-3-5 because we're super loaded at safety and we've got dudes like, okay, six foot one, 212 pound Lyric Rawls or six foot five, 210 pound Kendall Daniels, six foot, 200 pound Trey Rucker, six foot, 195 pound Ty Williams. Raymond Gay, somebody that's going to be able to get a lot of playing time. Heck, guys, our cornerbacks, Cam Smith is 6'2", 190. DJ McKinney, 6'1", 180. Deshaun Buckner, 6'2", 205. Cameron Epps, 6'3", almost 200. DeKellen Beeman, 6'2", 203. He's coming in with a big treasure chest, a very big treasure chest. And we've got all the coaches that are already in place to make sure that we keep doing this thing as a smooth operation. So be more excited. You're allowed to be. You deserve to be. I think this is the best. Oh, hey, gotcha hire that Gundy's pulled off. Better than Gleason, better than Yersic, better than any of the -the off-the-wall hires. He's brought in even guys listening. Jim Knowles coming from Duke. You know, people thought maybe the mental side of his strategy wouldn't work in Stillwater. So that was even an off-the-wall hire. Derek Mason showed that we can hire with the big boys. We do pay the same money as all the other big boys. I hate the perception of, oh, Gundy has to go Division II. Gundy doesn't have to. He does this on purpose. A lot of the times, I think it's so he can have more control. I'm praying and hoping this isn't one of those moments. Because if it's not, if it's solely just about the development and the betterment of the guys, then what this staff can do with Brian Nardo, it's going to be epic. Before Derek Mason left, after Derek Mason left, right now, the defense is still going to be the most athletic we've ever put on the field. Now, what that equals, we don't know. But it is the most talent this dude has ever, ever seen in a room at one time. It just it is what it is. But that's all we got for this one. As always, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. And thank you for making Locked On Oklahoma State your first listen. But do yourself a favor. For your second listen, go check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac and Andy bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from some big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the entire basketball landscape. Locked on college basketball. It's available on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast. All righty, y'all. That's all for this. Later.